Again, Jesus began to preach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables and in his teaching said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, and some a 100 times. Then Jesus said, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only for a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among the thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. He said to them, do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out in the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use it, it will be measured to you, and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. He also said, 
this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it, because the harvest has come. Again he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when his, he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. So I wonder, how's your hearing? I said, how's your hearing? Yeah, how's your... <laughs> Sorry, I got rid of this. <laughs> Are you a good listener or not? Um, recently, Sharon was meeting up with a friend of ours for a birthday breakfast, and they'd kind of made arrangements a few nights before, but neither of them had listened very well. So one went to the boat shed in Hallett Cove, and the other went to Alimentary in Jetty Road, Brighton, and sat there for a while waiting for each other, and then called to realize they were at different cafes. I had another conversation. However, they still didn't listen very well. So Sharon set off from elementary to the boat shed, and our friend set off from the boat shed to elementary, and thankfully they didn't get all the way to the wrong cafe each before they stopped halfway and thought, I better just check this, and actually listened to one another. All right? Uh, today we're, we're looking at this parable Jesus tells. We're going to concentrate on, on that first one, the parable of the seeds and the sower. And we're going to look at that, um, how Jesus tells, that he tells and explains. And it's all about hearing the word. It's all about hearing Jesus' word. Jesus tells us what happens when God sows his word in us uh, and what the different results in people are that we can expect when they hear who Jesus is, when they really listen. So, just to get you up to speed, this is part of our series in Mark's Fast and Furious Gospel. Um, we've seen that Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah, or Christ, the Anointed One, promised by God hundreds of years ago, who will bring justice and peace with God. And we've seen that Jesus turning up is the Kingdom of God, being at hand, God's rule being here. We've seen that Jesus has come with all authority, including the authority to forgive sin, and that his authority and his power is from God. And last week we saw you can't be neutral about Jesus. So you either believe and trust him and are part of his family, or you've rejected him and are out of his family. Jesus has chosen 12 blokes to be his disciples, a new people of God. But the religious leaders, the status quo, they've become outsiders to Jesus. 
They don't like what he's doing, and so they're already plotting his death. So the word about Jesus has already been making insiders and outsiders. So that's where we're up to. And as we join the action now, the crowd has got so big that, verse 1, Jesus gets into a boat so that he can speak to them from the lake. He can keep his priority of his mission of preaching. So you can picture them all there uh, gathered on the shore listening. And we're told, verse 2, Jesus taught them many things by parables. So just talk a little bit about what a parable is. What is it? It's best not to try and define a parable too closely because they are very varied throughout the Gospels. But basically, parables take tangible things from everyday life to explain great truths about God's kingdom and about God's rule. So everyday things explaining great truths. And the parable of the sower is a great one to start with because we get the parable in verses 3 to 8 and then Jesus explaining it in verses 14 to 20. But it begs the question, doesn't it? Why does Jesus teach in parables? Why can't he just say it straight? When I was a kid, I used to watch this cartoon as a slide, thanks, Ethan. Um, Dungeons and Dragons, based on the long-form game. It was a shameless cash-in on that. Um, it was about a group of friends who were whisked away during a roller coaster ride to a fantasy land of dragons and wizards and whatnot. And the rest of their series was about their adventures in trying to get home to the real world. And there was this wise sort of Yoda-type figure, who was supposed to be wise, a sort of guide to them called the Dungeon Master. And he used to drive me nuts. Because at the end of every episode, he was supposedly like a benevolent figure, a help to them. But at the end of every episode, he would pop up with some cryptic Eastern religion-sounding advice in the form of a riddle about how to get home. He'd be like, how do we get home? And they'd be like, the path that goes down must also go around and up, or some gobbledygook like that. And I would just yell at the telly, just tell them how to get home. Now, is this what Jesus is doing? Is he talking in riddles? Why doesn't Jesus just teach it straight? So that's our first point, um, verses 10 to 13. There's a gardener's question time. Gardener's question time. The disciples have got questions, verse 10. When he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked him about the parables. So first, the broader issue... Why parables at all? Verse 11, he told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that, quote, they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. What? So Jesus is using parables so that those on the outside won't perceive or understand, so that they won't get it, so that they won't turn and be forgiven? What's going on here? Is Jesus being so deliberately cryptic so that the outsiders remain on the outside? And now, verse 11, the secret of the kingdom of God is being given to the 12. So this secret or mystery, that's the word in Greek, it's mysterium. 
It's the word from which we get the word mystery. And it's got the sense of divine mystery, something about God that we didn't know. But like all good Scooby-Doo mysteries, this mystery has been solved. See, throughout the New Testament, in, in Paul's writing especially, this mystery becomes synonymous with the gospel of Jesus. Jesus is this secret, this mystery, now revealed as he announces the kingdom of God is near, repent and believe. So it's not a mystery anymore. And if we look forward a few verses to 21, verse 21 to 24, the bit about a lamp on a stand, we see that verse 22, whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. So Jesus' life and teaching and death and resurrection is the kingdom of God being broadcast loud and clear, the mystery being solved. And the parables are used by Jesus to broadcast the good news about him and about what God's kingdom is like loud and clear. But what the parables do is they push you off the fence. So you either hear them and follow Jesus, trust him, or you hear them and harden your heart against him. So verse 12, again, they may be ever seeing, but never perceiving, and ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Well, that's a quote from the prophet Isaiah. And Isaiah has just been in the presence of the living God and receives, <clears throat> excuse me, and receives his commission as a prophet to give a message, a simple message, again, to repent and believe. But it's a message that poor old Isaiah, God guarantees this message will be met with hard-heartedness that will bring God's judgment in the form of exile, eviction from the promised land. So at the same time, Isaiah's audience are completely responsible for their own response, their own actions. And yet God ordains that they'll be hard-hearted and so will face judgment. And it's all part of God's just and fair plan to bring about the ultimate good. So Jesus is saying that this is the situation he's in with this current generation, especially this generation of religious leaders. So like Israel of old, 700 years before, the current religious leaders treat evil like it's good and good like it's evil, including now in their response to Jesus. So the parables kind of separate the wheat from the chaff. They're kind of the Harry Potter sorting hat of Jesus' preaching. They're grace and life to those who hear and believe and they are judgment in the form of hardening of hearts to those who reject Jesus. So Jesus isn't being cagey or vague to make sure that people get condemned. He's being realistic about the response his parables are going to bring in the situation there and then. That this generation he's talking to, the religious leaders, are going to be judged in the form of the hard-hearted unbelief that they're going to respond with. 
But there is hope. There is possibility. That last line, that they might turn and be forgiven. See, the punishment Isaiah's message originally was, was to bring about was ultimately to bring good. So clear the decks and reestablish a remnant, a new generation who love God truly. Jesus' parables are the same for us today, this morning. They tell us something about Jesus and God's kingdom, and we'll either draw closer to Jesus or move away from him. So like the disciples, if we're struggling to understand one of the parables, we can come to Jesus in prayer and in reading the Bible to ask for help in working out just what they mean. But why do the parables have such huge consequences? I mean, why does eternal life rest on our reaction to them? Because what this first parable shows us is that the kingdom of God, God's real rule, is arriving with words, with teaching, with lots of action, yeah? Miracles and healings. But remember in in chapter 138, Jesus says, when everyone's clamoring to see him for healing, he says, let's get out of here so I can preach. That is why I've come. Words. The gospel So the good news, good important news of Jesus, his life, teaching, death, and resurrection, that comes to us in words. It's a message to be heard and accepted. It's a message to be heard and accepted. Okay, that's Gardner's question time over with. Let's have a look at the parable itself. And we get... Yeah, sort of four different crop reports, don't we? And that's what we'll talk about for the rest of the time. Uh, four different results. Taken away, fallen away, crowded out, and bumper crop. Jesus explains that um, the seed is the word, that is the good news gospel, that the kingdom of God has arrived in him. So that's the seed, that's what Jesus is talking about. Uh, But we know as well uh, that the scriptures, the whole Bible, is also the word of God, the way God speaks to us. So I think it's reasonable for us to think about how it applies to what happens when we read the Bible as well. So the seed is the word, and we are the different types of soil or situation the the seed lands in. Now, notice, please, that what happens in this parable is what happens to the word that God sows and the consequences for the person. So it isn't about how good or bad our preaching or teaching of the word is. It's about how the word once sown, spoken to us through through the word by God himself, how that word is received. So this parable isn't three bad ways and one good way to sow God's word. The sower sows. The parable is about how that word, how that sowing is received. All right? So Jesus is giving us a kind of behind-the-scenes tour of what happens when the gospel is preached. And more particularly, he shows us how we do or don't hear the word 
how we do or don't hear the word, really listen really well, as we said in the kids' talk. So that, the word for hearing, the Greek is akuo, that's in these, these verses nine times. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's in these verses nine times. And the word for word, logos, is in eight times. So don't miss the big idea, um, what this parable is all about. It's about hearing the word. Hearing the word. All right, so our first crop is taken away, isn't it? Verse 14, the farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Um, We haven't got time to go into who Satan is, but big picture is he's a hostile, malignant reality who has been defeated but still fights against God. So forget any sort of horror movie ideas, any weird occultic stuff. Here's where the real action is. What Satan is really against is anyone hearing the word. And Jesus says this is what happens to some people when they hear the word of God. So how do we see this today in our lives? Um, I'm going to play you a clip. Um, This is from the classic art house film, Rush Hour 3. What you need to know is Detective Carter, asking the questions, is in a martial arts academy and he's looking for Master Yu. Yu is his name, Yu. I think we'll play it twice, it's quite short. Thanks. May I help you? We'll be asking the questions, old man. Who are you? You. No, not me, you. Yes, I am you. Just answer the damn questions. Who are you? I have told you. Are you deaf? No, you is blind. I'm not blind, you blind. That is what I just said. You just said what? I did not say what. I said you. That's what I'm asking you. And you is answering. Shut up. You. Yes? Not you, him. What's your name? Me. Yes, you. I am me. He's me. And I'm you. You confused? One more time. I just love this clip. May I help you? We'll be asking the questions, old man. Who are you? You. No, not me, you. Yes, I am you. Just answer the damn questions. Who are you? I have told you. Are you deaf? No, you is blind. I'm not blind, you blind. That is what I just said. You just said what? I did not say what. I said you. That's what I'm asking you. And you is answering. Shut up. You. Yes? Not you, him. What's your name? Me. Yes, you. I am me. He's me. And I'm you. You feel like you've had conversations like that? So um, Carter's big problem is that he's not getting what is being said to him because he's not listening. He's brought to the situation kind of a framework, a heap of expectations, frames of reference and preconceptions that prevent him hearing properly what he's being told. If he just accepted the answer, I am you, he would have been able to get on with his investigation, but it wouldn't have been as entertaining, would it? But <laughs> Satan deceives with lies, with misconceptions that lead to wrong preconceptions. So, for example, when my old friend from youth, Christian youth camps that we used to do, he writes on Facebook that only what can be scientifically measured is worth believing. When he says that, he's bought into a lie which stops him hearing the word 
And he's kind of intellectually shielded himself from the word of God so that it will not grow in him. There's other lies around, isn't there, that Christianity is oppressive or unfair and prejudiced and against freedom. And people believe the lie and the word never gets to take hold because of the lie that it's unreasonable. But there's other dangers as well. For me, when I was young, brought up in a good church and a Christian family, the danger for me was kind of immunity to the gospel brought about by familiarity. So hearing the gospel so much that I just stopped listening, thought, yeah, I know all that, trusted in my family's faith rather than hearing Jesus for myself. And we still hear Satan's lies trying to take the word away from us as we hear it, don't we? So things like, this doesn't apply to you. That's just his interpretation. This is too hard for you to understand. You're not good enough for this. You'll never be that good. Lies. The word is for you, and God can keep transforming you with it. So next up, we've got the crop that is fallen away, verses 16 and 17. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. So this is the kind of hearing the word that says, sure, I'll follow Jesus so long as I reckon he benefits me. There's no depth of hearing that living in the kingdom of God will mean suffering in this world. So it's when people say, this kind of hearing is when people say, Jesus rocks, but only until following him rocks their world. The gospel is great news. It gives us joy, right relationship with God, eternal life. We should rejoice with that. But Jesus is clear, we shouldn't be surprised when someone who genuinely seems to have got it fall away when the going gets tough. So how do we grow roots? How do we make sure that's not us, that we don't fall away? Well, feelings, how we feel about it all, change, don't they? But God's exceeding great and precious promises last forever. So get to know God's promises. So when you know, for example, that in John 6, 37, all that the Father gives to Jesus will come to him, then you won't be afraid of falling away. When you know 1 John 1, verse 9, if you confess your sins, God is faithful and forgives our sins, then you won't be crippled by guilt or trying to work your way back to God. When you know Psalm 32, verse 8, that God promises to teach and counsel you, keep his loving eyes on you, you won't feel like you're going it alone. It's not rocket science, is it? You'll put down roots where you spend your time and your energy. You put down roots where you spend your time and energy. That where you can be found, 
So be found reading the Bible and praying every day. Be found hanging out with each other so that you can help each other bear the the burden. Help each other provide refuge where it is normal and safe to talk about things of God. Organize your Saturday so that it helps to make sure you're here on Sunday. Or organize your week to make sure you're at growth group ready to hear the word and let it take root in you. So then there are those who are, for who the word of God is crowded out. In the... Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. There's a lot of noise in the world. There's so many things uh, competing for our attention. And if Jesus is right in this parable, most people end up hearing anything but the word. So just because you've heard the word doesn't mean that the noise is going to stop. There's always going to be noise competing for your attention. So in the great all-you-can-eat buffet of life, there's only so much you can fit on your plate, isn't there, humanly speaking? The great, um, remember tapes? The great mixtape of life, there's only so much you can, only the songs you can fit on it, on your playlist. Jesus is clear and realistic. Even those who accept the word of God can end up missing out on their potential, their fruitfulness, by letting all the noise drown out the important voice, Jesus' voice, Jesus' priorities. So have a listen. Whose voice are you listening to the most? And what is falling off your plate when it gets too full and you have to fit something else in? What falls off first? What tracks are you putting on your mixtape? Wealth and the things we desire, the things we worry about, they can never deliver the life and love and joy and patience and peace and kindness and goodness and faithfulness that the word can. So keep those things, good things often, keep them in their place. Have those good things serve the word that grows, not choke the thing, the word that grows. Which brings us to our final bumper crop. This is those who hear the word and accept it. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. What do we need to do for God's word? to bear this much fruit in us. We just have to accept it. Accept that Jesus is God's kingdom being at hand. Accept that Jesus is the one sent by God to save us. Accept that we need to turn around 
and follow him. And the good news is that some who hear the word will accept it. And some will go on to surprise with great fruitfulness, unforeseen, unimaginable fruitfulness. So we've got to know as a church that Jesus tells us much of what we do, much of our ministry, our sowing the word, will have little or no return. The word will be rejected. Jesus himself was rejected. Rejected by the very ones who should have recognized him, should have heard him, should have accepted him. Rejected to the extent of being crucified because of the word he sowed. So we have to expect lots of rejection, lots of little or no return. But hearing the word is how people get to enter the kingdom of God. Through hearing the word and rejecting the word, many will miss out on forgiveness and remain outsiders to God's kingdom. But many, a surprising number, though hearing, through hearing the mysteries of God through the word, will accept it and be fruitful, surprisingly fruitful. So we've seen today, Jesus is the parable preacher, sowing in you the word that he is the one who can save you into what you were made for, life in loving, right relationship with God, in his family. So will you hear and accept him? And be warned this morning, there are many ways not to hear the word. There are many ways to crowd out what you have heard but be encouraged. Be warned, but be encouraged. Despite all the odds, God will win a bumper crop, more than we expected, of those who hear and accept the word. And be assured, if you hear and accept Jesus, you will go on to produce fruit now and forever in him. Possibly 30 times, possibly 60 times, maybe a hundred times. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for your word. Uh, Please help us as we continue, Mark, to really listen really well, to hear your word and give us the belief to accept it. Uh, Thank you for that assurance of forgiveness of sins. Thank you for the encouragement that you will bear fruit in us. And there are many ready to hear your word and respond in faith. Uh, Please help us as we take that word out. Help us not to be discouraged when uh, it falls on rocky ground or is rejected. But trust you uh, to grow your word and produce fruit where you will. Amen.